Welcome to Welcome to Thug Crowd Radio. Please listen to this important disclaimer in its entirety. All participants of this Thug Crowd Radio episode are characters. None of the stories told during these episodes are based on facts, truth, or reality. All works of fiction displayed during this episode that resemble real-life situations are coincidental and are not meant to serve as guides or tutorials to commit any crimes in any country. Please consult an attorney for local laws and regulations. And as always, trust your inner criminal. I do. Oh. I think we might be now. We are live now. Hello, everybody. Hello. 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 So, so crowd, we're back once again. Um, it's been a kind of a slow week for InfoSec, but we have some cool guests um, that we will uh, talk to pretty soon. Yeah, got a, got a a whole load of people here uh, this week. It's good stuff. T profit, Philip, what up? Hell yeah. Um, hear myself, so I'm gonna mute that. Everybody uh, compiled and ran the show notes, right? <laughs> we're all we're all good. I'm caught up on the uh, the C code tutorials from Thugrad. Yeah. No, uh, just. Don't bother running TCP dump or Wireshark or anything. Just uh, leave that alone. And yeah. uh, trust in the third crowd. Um, that's probably a good idea. Uh, <laughs> cool. So did anyone get up to any, any cool stuff this week they'd like to talk about? Yeah, I... Well, I kind of reached a major milestone of a few last week with a project I've been working on. So Travis Goodspeed has a hardware project called the Good Watch, where he created a uh, aftermarket board that goes inside to the original calculator watches. So it can do tomfoolery, such as being a radio transmitter. You can do Morse code, pot sag. You can also have a frequency counter in too, so you can be that guy that's like, oh, let me go ahead and hack into this guy's fucking radio and find out what frequency he's using. And uh, I ported my research for doing a jukebox tomfoolery with TouchTunes. So you have a working TouchTunes remote in a Casio smartwatch. That's sick. Hell yeah. Wow. Some dope you've stuff. Been, uh, you, you've been working on that for quite some time. Uh, from that's, like my, that's literally my fucking one-trick pony. It's like the only thing I've actually done. The good research that I thought was pretty fucking cool and other people think it's cool. It's like, hey, yeah. oh, can you port this to this project? I'll give you the board. I'm like, well, all right. This is like $300 worth of work right here you just gave me. I'm just going to go ahead and not break this and uh, do my best to deliver a product to you. Yeah, it was kind of touch and go for a minute, too. You you had some scares, if I recall, right? Well, that was just, well, just mainly just like time of trying to figure things out. I'm not a C programmer. I, my background's like object-oriented programming with Python and Java. So I was like, all right. Let's uh, do something a little more interesting with uh, C. And yeah, that was the experience. It's pretty good too. Hell yeah, man. Good. So there's some uh, good news in the Seattle community. Uh, Erratic was transferred today from the uh, Federal Correctional Institution, CTAC, to the halfway house in Seattle. So she's still under BOP custody, but she'll get her own room and not be housed with. Uh, you know, in a male unit with with the guys, um, which has been and, a, been bad. And sorry, uh, who, who is this again? Uh, Erratic is also known as Paige Thompson. She was uh, arrested ah. a 
couple of months ago for and accused of committing the Capital One breach. Um, the government's tried really hard to, to keep her from having a fair trial. Uh, she's been completely locked down in, uh, you know, a federal prison uh, held pre-trial. And it's pretty rare for, you know, anybody in a nonviolent case to be, you know, held without bail uh, in a federal prison. Um, but the government argued that she was a threat to the economy and the U.S. banking system. And so that's needed to be, you know, held in custody. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a rough situation. Um, I followed it as much as, uh, as much as it's kind of come across, uh, kind of my, my eyes on Twitter and, uh, you know, she, she admittedly, allegedly at least, uh, made some, made some statements and did some things that would make people nervous, but, uh, you know, treating somebody like they're, um, going to like eat people's faces off if they're, uh, if they're treated fairly, I think is, uh, taking it way. Honestly, it concerns me how much time people spend behind bars before they're sentenced. Oh, yeah. And I mean, this is a really complicated technical case. It, it could be um, she's being defended by uh, Brian Klein, along with uh, multiple other defense attorneys. Um, Brian, uh, you might recall, uh, helped with the uh, malware tech case. And I remember there um, being a defunding issue there, too. So what's the deal with that? Uh, well, so uh, he's representing erratic pro bono because, you know, erratic has some really difficult circumstances and, and is indigent. So, um, you know, he's uh, willing to, to step up and, and help out uh, in this case. And I think that that's the right thing to do. So uh, really happy that he's on board. Um, you know, the, this could be a couple of years before it comes to resolution. It's, it's a really complicated technical case. Uh, there's a lot of experts that will be required to testify. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of legal questions. And I can't really get into the case or, you know, what the facts of it are. But, but I can say that, you know, it's really awesome that she's not in prison. Because, you know, if you're in prison and you're locked down there, you, you really don't have a very good opportunity to, to actively participate in your criminal defense. Um, yeah. It's really hard to have a fair trial in there. So I, I think that's, you know, the main reason why the, the government wanted to lock her up is that, you know, they have a real advantage from the prosecution. Um, you know, if, if she's not able to get out and work with her defense team uh, pretty yeah. much full time. I, th I think the interesting thing that Kim just pointed out, though, is the amount of time that people spend behind bars before even going to trial in which they may be found innocent and not guilty and yet they've spent years and years behind bars yeah or they might be found they're... guilty of something but it's like you know way less than what the prosecution was alleging and, and yeah. the sentence have been, you know way less for that uh, it's yeah. not uncommon for people to get released for time served is there any it seems uh, to place that people can donate or uh, donate resources yeah actually um there's a uh, so Shady Tell, uh, who you guys might know from Tour Camp. They they run a very uh, um, interesting phone company. Um, they're they're at Shady Tell on Twitter. If you if you want to know how legitimate Shady Tell is, uh, but they're running a uh, fund for her mainly for commissary and like you know. So the thing is, she she doesn't get everything that she needs in prison. Uh, or while in BOP custody. And so they have a, a thing called a commissary that you can buy some stuff from like shampoo and, you know, that kind of thing. So if anybody's feeling like they want to contribute to that, um, send it to erratic fund. You can PayPal to erratic fund at shady.tel. Uh, just to be clear, I'm not in shady tell. I have nothing to do with this. Uh, they are a 501c3 nonprofit and they've just chosen to step up. So, um, uh, I think that's pretty awesome. And it's like, I'm pretty hands off with this. Like, uh, you know, I want to support the defense team in any way that would be helpful to them. And, you know, certainly, um, you know, get the word out that Erratic can use all the support that she can get. Sure. Um, 
beyond that, like, you know, it's hard for me to say much because I don't know the facts of the case and, and you know, I, I am not and, and wouldn't be involved. Hey, it's good to know that Shady tells 501c3 uh, that that means that they're accountable for what they do with their money. Um, and so I, I personally feel a little better about uh, donating to places that are have taken the time to go through the paperwork and uh, be accountable. So very cool. Yeah. So the if it, if money goes into the erratic fund, um, Shady tells uh, committed to just passing that through. Um, and of course, you know, Shady Tell does a lot of really good work around uh, hacker conventions. They were at CCC, they ran uh, the phone system there, and they'll be at tour camp, presumably, coming up this summer. Hmm. That's cool. Yeah, very cool. Um, Maybe I'll do anything for Had a little minor heart attack. I thought the stream died again. Um, <laughs> to the amount of RAM that. Uh, the Chrome tabs require. Um, <laughs> so we should probably get into the news and get started, and uh, we can we can go back to um, what's been going on once we get into our interview stuff later in the show. Um, so the first thing, if everyone has the show notes, um, is that Google is buying Fitbit for two point one billion dollars. Uh, and so, like, do you guys think that? This Fitbit RTOS and hardware is worth two point one billion, like in their stock. Uh, not sales of the devices and services, but the data mine. Data, like, data. Like Google, the Google will know people's heartbeats and where they walk and shit. Like it's not good. Yeah, it's pretty scary. Right? All kinds of medical data. Um. Definitely shout out to the security engineers at Fitbit, though, who um, they, you know, working on the RTOS uh, stuff uh, and, and their internal platforms and stuff, because uh, at least at some point they've had some some security done. Um, now yeah, well, I think I was just going to chime in that um, I think it's important that um, to, to separate systems from people, right? So the Fitbit folks, the security folks, whoever. Those are people inside of a system and you can reach people inside of a system systems uh, uh, as a whole are pretty, pretty tough to break down as somebody who's tried to kind of push against them in different ways. And so just hearing you talk about that. Yeah. Shout out to them. Yeah. They have a, they have a, uh, I think hacker one or a, a crowd program. Bug crowd, I so, think. Yeah. yeah. So it's always, it's always good to, uh, to see when companies do that they at least are willing to listen and respond uh, and hopefully it stays that way right instead of getting yeah. absorbed yeah, and busy the, well how do you how do you machine. opt how do you opt out so say you're a consumer and you buy this right and you've trusted fitbit on the surface and now google acquires it um i don't know like t profit or kim like how do you opt out of that what how do you get your data back is that possible <laughs> I think. I mean, wow. like law or what, what you know in the news, what you've seen people talk about, like, is that even something that people are even chewing on? Like, this was something that folks were presenting on at the B-Sides Boise, some, some BSU students. And it was super intriguing as far as the law and the news and the desire to pull your data back. But like, where do you see that in the landscape of things? I mean, obviously, once Google has data on someone, they have it. Pandora's box Correct. has been open. So you need so, to... I, I have... I've been asked about security hardening from Chrome because Chrome is like a major vehicle for Google's data mining. And I had all kinds of suggestions for someone about how to lessen their data mining footprint from Google's perspective. But if you use an Android phone, you cannot completely eliminate it. You can't completely eliminate Google's data mining. I use Brave browser and Firefox on my phone. I switched from Google search to DuckDuckGo search. I've limited how much they can data mine me, but they can still data mine me. Yeah, sure. The, the Chrome ecosystem. What, what is, one of my recommendations is uh, just to pollute the data. Put your Fitbit on your dog. 
Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but then how do, how do you yeah. actually track your progress though you know what i mean like versus just moving to a different platform well i think maybe isn't yeah. quite as evil there's also the apis that are uh, available uh apple health and um google whatever it is um i'm not sure if the fitbit app is currently using that. i assume it plugs into apple health if you choose it to already so a lot of people who are in this um, demographic of using biometric, uh, not biometrics, um, uh, this wearable technology to, you know, to, to monitor themselves have already opted in, in a way, to these larger companies. So for some people, it might already be too late. But if it's not too late for you, try and do what you can. Just one uh, thing I'll put, put out there. If you become uh by checkboxes a citizen of europe and uh demand to be forgotten that uh they tend to not really investigate the truth to that all so much so maybe maybe something to consider so why did you register a fitbit with a real name to begin with that's probably a better question I don't think it matters, right? Like they have access to the backend uh, APIs that can pull the phone number and all those fun permissions that uh, that they ask for right at the beginning. Yeah, sure. So there's a, well, I don't know. I don't think they can pull a phone number out of a Fitbit, but. Uh, I think uh, well, now they can with Google. Yeah. <laughs> with Android's and Google accounts, that's, they already know that. Yep. Yeah, yeah, sure. If you tie it to a Google account, I guess that's true. It's, uh, you know, my approach is, has been to just kind of obfuscate um, what social media and, you know, giant tracking companies know. So if it's to some degree, it's garbage in, garbage out. So I like the approach of polluting my profile with a whole bunch of random shit. And uh, that makes tracking entirely possible, but also less meaningful. Yeah, there's, uh, I mean, if you're going to pollute as well, like cross-contamination and and all that kind of business um, that we've talked about a whole lot comes into it um, pretty heavily. So, or just don't buy wearable tech. And uh, yeah, well, I think, I think where my question was going is like, there's the um, concrete, you know, uh, technical, um, truth that we all know, which is once that, like Kim stated, once once Google has access to it, who cares what was signed where, right? That data is gone. They own it. It's theirs to to shove into their machine learning and AI stuff. But um, like I was over visiting my dad this weekend and I looked at his wrist and he didn't have a Fitbit on, but he had this thing that was a clone of a Fitbit and he was just told to wear it to get better insurance rates, right? Yeah. That's That's what? my dad. Ooh, and yeah. that's a, that's a real that's a real thing in the states like that wow. is happening and so i'm having a discussion but um and my folks trust me but like you know how how do you <laughs> how do you explain that to somebody enough to care that doesn't have um the domain expertise that maybe all of us here in this in this chat room have and yeah. so it was there's, there's very relevant because right i'm sorry i was gonna say it's very relevant because right now it's open enrollment and a lot of employers are pushing for uh, all of the DNA testing for cheaper rates, all of the, uh, you know, yeah, where, where this device, um, you know, I'll pay a little more for my privacy, but yeah, not no everybody doubt. will. That's amazing. I hate to I, get all I, political here, but Bernie Sanders is the only hope that the United States has right now to prevent medical insurance companies from exploiting stuff like making people wear Fitbits so that they can estimate the risk that a particular patient might carry. If we can just like completely eliminate the profit motive from health insurance, a lot of those problems would go away. I mean, obviously data mining would still be a problem, but that particular aspect of it wouldn't be quite quite as much for a problem. I mean, that's kind of yeah. the crux of the, the entire insurance industry is the money, though. So, I mean... Yeah, no exactly. It's not going away anytime soon. I think, you know, Bernie might be uh, a step in the right direction, but at the end of the day, if they have an opt-in button that you can click for 30% off, 
uh, people that are struggling are going to click the button no matter what kind of regulations are put in place. Yeah. Right. 30% off medical insurance. What yep. if medical yep. insurance wasn't something that someone bought? And it was well, all then there, there, there to me is actually a, there to me is actually a more of a concern. You know, I, I, I fully understand the advantages uh, or maybe not fully, but I, I do see some of the advantages of the single payer system, but getting rid of the financial profit, I can opt out of the financial if I'm able to, if I'm, if I'm, you know, able to pay that extra bit to not have my DNA given then um, once it is a government program, they could basically say, you can't smoke anymore. Or you can't do this anymore, or, or you have to eat five things of vegetables every day, or we don't insure you. Seen that. This is the requirement. I now. haven't Right. I haven't seen that in we Canada. Seen it. I'm Canadian. I haven't seen it in Europe or anywhere else in the world that has publicly provided health care health insurance. But you're talking about I've, the United States, which we are not rational. There's no such thing as private health insurance. Well, then that would have to go away. So, what, so what I can, I, I can in, in talk, instead of talking about hypotheticals, I, we can maybe this is a good spot to to end it, but I'll end it with this little story, right? My aunt, right? My wife's, my wife's, my wife's aunt, right? She didn't have health insurance. And basically the system, uh, when she was diagnosed with cancer, it was the worst death imaginable. You have not seen somebody die a more inhumane, at least I haven't, a more inhumane death. And I've watched people die before. Um, and so I guess instead of the hypotheticals, um, I try to go back to what I've seen, what I've experienced, who I love, who I'm willing to invest and sacrifice for uh, as kind of like a concrete way to um, dial in that conversation. So obviously, like trying to trying to trying to push for a political system like um, that, we're, that we're kind of talking about here, that's a really hard thing in this chat. But my encouragement is to make it personal. Look at somebody who's suffered and then figure out how to help them no longer suffer. All right. So and I think that's what Bernie's been doing. Like he's been doing videos of people who have gotten cancer diagnoses and stuff like that. And the families who have been financially ruined because a family member got cancer, for instance. I think, definitely, uh, definitely worthy of its own show in a yeah because it, it's, but this it, has nothing it to do with so cybersecurity. So this right. is a this is a tangent, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. With that, let's uh, let's move on to the the next one uh, that we've got on our notes. Um, it's a undercover nationwide scam on Airbnb, which is uh, I guess mostly US based. Again. Um, and I think Shell, you had a pretty good uh, breakdown of, of the scam. Yeah, oh, that's yeah. fucking brilliant. I yeah, wow. <laughs> it's a it's a pretty uh, well put together thing. It's, you know, about ten minutes before you check into your Airbnb, uh, someone's you know the person your host calls and goes, "Hey, uh, the toilet's overflowing. Whatever, the plumber's here. Uh, you know, you can either cancel or we'll put you up in a nicer." place that we also own uh and then you go yeah okay and like they of course like uh she mentions a lot of like social engineering techniques right to like kind of like make it very urgent and all that stuff uh and then they just end up putting you in a total shithole and uh there's there's nothing you really do about it airbnb uh you and know. I have also like in the, in the images of uh, these different places, they've got like the same furniture, the same uh, art on the walls, um, and then you have a look at some of the places that people have ended up in, and there's you know cigarette burns in the, in the yeah, it's it's very much like we like they went to the street and picked up the furniture people were throwing out. <laughs> yeah, uh, hey, yeah, straight up. One one thing I might mention about that though is uh, I. I recently actually used Airbnb and I had uh, I had somebody from the property try to use my actual cell phone number to contact me and start complaining about actually the temperature in, in the fucking house because apparently the schedule that they set, they didn't like anymore, which literally it was a locked schedule that they had set. Anyways, so they're complaining about it and 
there's a really big warning in Airbnb's uh, app that says any communication you do between each other, do it through our app. And I just, I get the sneaking suspicion that this has a lot to do with out-of-band communications that Airbnb can't legally refer to and hold uh, these scammers accountable for. But Yeah. I think that's basic, like, same with eBay, same with, you know, PayPal and whatever is, like, do your transaction through the platform uh, so that, well, I mean, if it's a legitimate transaction, I guess, if you're, uh, maybe you want to do it through Tor or Signal, that's up to you. But if you... There's um, a difference, though, man. Like, eBay actually will help you if somebody does something shady to you on their platform, and Airbnb totally won't. They're, like, they are such scammers. Uh, if you stay even one night in the property, you know, you can expect almost no help from Airbnb. And if you don't stay there, you might not be able to expect any help either. Cause it's kind of, you know, your word of the host and you're not the one that makes Airbnb money. Like they're on the host side cause that's who makes the money. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's also the know, thing that, that was mentioned. Like, uh, Airbnb is one of the most hostile companies in travel and tourism that I deal with. But there is like no honesty in pricing on their website at all. Go and look at any property and it's not uncommon for, you know, the total price at checkout to be something close to double what's actually advertised. Yep. It, you know, this is, I'm not a real fan of government regulations in, in the space, but I think that there is definitely room for improvement in, in platforms like these. Uh, you should get what you pay for. And if you don't get what you pay for, you should be able to get your money back. I think it There's just really brings it more in FTC, line. right? Yeah, bring it more in line with, uh, you know, the, um, you know, hospitality industry with hotels and, and whatever. Um, yeah, you know, in hotels, the the interesting thing there is that if you book a hotel through a platform like Expedia or Booking.com or any of those, they actually have a reason to have your back instead of the hotel's back. Yeah, and. Also, pro hotel tip: Next time you're at DefCon in Vegas, don't don't get your upgrade on Expedia or whatever. Wait till you're at the desk, and you'll get it cheaper. There's always a spare room. Yes, <laughs> a tip: Your uh, check-in hosts uh, liberally. Fifty bucks goes a long way for a week. <laughs> I only stayed. Right there. I only stayed in Airbnb once. It was in May. I was in Ottawa, Canada, covering the Cyber Titan competitions. That experience was good. I spent like a couple of nights in kind of a townhouse within walking distance of the core of Ottawa. But I think if I had been in five or six different Airbnbs, at that point, I would have run into a scam. Well, it's not even just the scams, too, because it's, uh, you know, we've seen articles on people finding cameras inside their Airbnbs and all this. Uh, Yeah, there's there's a lot of... Like microphones that detect uh, the volume levels? Yeah. That'd be so weird. I mean, I've seen (laughs) penthouse Airbnbs with, like, you know, jacuzzis and Street Fighter and private cinemas and shit, and they've all been, like, dope. But, um, and yeah, free internet and all that sort of stuff. Um, one of them actually had security cameras that you could put on any TV in the place. Uh, that was like crazy. So there are like, obviously some really good places on there if you find them. But, um, I mean, if, yeah, it, it all comes down to like rolling the bones, really. Um, it, it's unregulated yeah. though, right? Like the hotel industry is heavily, heavily regulated, whereas... Airbnb is kind of the same as Uber and Lyft where it's you're dealing with uh, you're at the mercy of the people or corporations pretending to be people that you're dealing with. And personally, I'd rather deal with uh, a corporation that is afraid of litigation. Well, I've stayed in a lot of really bad hotels around the world. I've stayed in some great Airbnbs and terrible ones. And I think that, you know, really the the argument isn't like, you know, whether an Airbnb is better or whether a hotel is better. I think that, you know, for me, I, I actually prefer staying in an Airbnb because when I'm traveling in, in a place like Armenia, 
it's pretty awesome to have an apartment right in the center of town. Um, I stayed in a building in Minsk that was like owned by the, you know, the KGB and they still have the KGB there. It's like down the street from the KGB office. And I mean, you're, you're not going to get that kind of experience. Like, you know, oh, well. literally any other way, but you know, you, you could, you could be walking into the awesome apartment full of KGB agents, uh, or right. you could be, you know, running from like a shell corporation of another shell corporation owned by this shady dude named Trey. Or you can stay at a Hilton and not have to worry about the FSB. <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to, you know, keep that word. Like if you want to have a shraycation, like if something terrible and shady happened to you, that was a shraycation. Straycation. Straycation. Like <laughs> oh, a straycation. Yeah, yeah, you're probably right. So, I guess it's still later. You'll be all right. Let's uh, let's move on to the next one. Uh, basically, we're now seeing blue cheap at the level where uh, people are using it to drop crypto miners and other lame shit uh, on boxes. Um, so I guess that's in the toilet now. You think it'll get fixed quicker now? That it's being actively exploited all over the place? No. Yes. <laughs> oh, I do. I don't think so. But like, I mean, what what did it take the... for SMB one to start finally getting patched? Ransomware. And I mean, they just totally took all the boxes. Yeah, you just take all the boxes offline using the ransomware, and then yeah. <laughs> you don't have to worry about it anymore. <laughs> once there's consequences, people tend to start fixing shit. <laughs> Yeah, I think uh, the reliability of the exploit is uh, of of the exploits available has started to rise as well. Um, initially, we only saw uh, a couple. The Metasploit module still is pretty bad. Um, you can get it to work if you you know blue screen your inbox a few times, um, and you're lucky enough to have you know your target is uh, in the the predetermined list. But um, yeah, I'd. I'd be a little bit interested to see what the success rate uh, of these people who are dropping is, because I, I I'm going to assume that it's pretty low. Um, yeah, I'd agree. And then it's currently like yeah, <laughs> mostly like Azure boxes, maybe um, some AWS boxes. But yeah. I I did see that Marcus was working on a Blue Keep honeypot today. Yeah, I saw that it's too as well. That's pretty cool. Which, uh, I see a lot of I, think, I see a lot of parallels between Eternal Blue and Blue Keep. Yeah, I mean, yeah, obviously exactly. they're very different vulnerabilities in a lot of ways, but there are some parallels, right? Especially like with Eternal, Eternal Blue, Eternal Blue, the patch for that vulnerability existed at least a couple of months before WannaCry broke out. Mm -hmm. uh, Blue Blue Keep. The patch for Blue Keep has existed since May, mm -hmm. when you know the GCHQ and the National Cybersecurity Center discovered it. Um, I wonder because this, because this pertains to legacy versions of Windows, and a lot of enterprises run legacy versions of Windows because of driver support. I wonder if administrators with networks like that forget about patch management for legacy versions of windows because they just assume that because microsoft doesn't officially support it anymore they're not going to get any more security patches for it i think the WSOS makes the things for sure like but i think uh industrial control networks and and systems play a huge role in that there's yeah a huge uh, push from Siemens and other companies to not update because it'll break their software, and then you're you're left with power companies that are running insanely vulnerable versions, and they think that they're safe from error gaps, and they're not. And uh, it takes stuff like this where it's widespread and easy for when people to wake up. When I was researching SCADA and ICS vulnerabilities about a month ago, I found that a lot of workplaces, especially food manufacturing and areas like that, they'll take a machine that was air-gapped 
and they'll put it back into the main production area. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you'll see it was really fun working different. in that sector. <laughs> it was horrifying. Uh, and they'll, they'll actually do that, ironically, sometimes uh, for the purposes of updating the machines and patching them. Meanwhile, they've inadvertently exposed the machine to the wild internet where it's been wormed by the time they are finished, uh, quote, patching. So real fun times. And then it's brought back into the air gap and uh, is free to just run amok and uh, have fun. I mean, You've seen firsthand things that I've only written about. <laughs> yeah, it's... Uh... <laughs> I, I did get to talk to Marcus yesterday. Um, he is not the most verbose person. I mean, as an interviewer, I love it when I ask a question and I get paragraphs out of my subject. Marcus Hutchins is not that kind of interview subject, at least in my experience. I'm, I he didn't mention the honeypot that he was uh, making today. He didn't mention that to me. I wish he had. I think he. I think his nature. He's kind of elusive which i can understand given his background and all the shit that he's gone through yeah exactly you know don't give someone more information than you absolutely have to agreed i mean um, think of think of how he's been burned in the past so i can imagine exactly that. talking about like but, the air gaps though um when we're talking about remote desktop exploits specifically like there's you know we're talking about air gaps networks not not just singular air gapped machines, which often like if you have the back of a you know, the back of a factory, the machine might not even have like Ethernet near it, you know. Um so patching that is is different to like something that you're gonna put on, you know, the flat network back in that, you know, the internet routable network. And I uh, assumed like the most effective way to patch an air gap machine is that the patches would go on some sort of removable media that has been thoroughly scanned for malware. And then the removable media has to be mounted to the air gap machine. Yeah, but the problem uh, with that is... Read-only CD-ROMs are still pretty uh, pretty useful these days. Yeah. The problem with this is like we're talking about attacking an air gapped machine with a physical medium. And the, the kind of attacks that you're going to see against that level of you know air gap you, it's not going to be you know you can put it against virus total and you're not going to get any results because nobody's going to that effort to get to that machine unless they've got something a weapon ready to go like that's yep. a very different playing field than scanning the internet um with mass scan looking for open ports so. Yeah. yeah, and then also best practices are just best practices, right? They're not not things that necessarily happen in uh, yeah. in real life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The only reason I brought up air gap, by the way, is just because it that is kind of the worst case scenario. Uh, largely, these machines have probably been on the internet for years and years and years, uh, and just there's been no consequence until now. Yeah, that's that's definitely the like these crypto miners and like things that are using it to like drop garbage, uh, garbageware. They're definitely uh, spray and pray um, type stuff. The same type of thing you see with you know every variant of Mirai, uh, Qbot, and whatever. Um, they're not not targeted attacks like you would see on, on more IC, like ICS stuff is is very, a very different playing field. Yeah, the best case scenario is you get so many miners on uh, on your box that no one makes any money because they're all stepping over each other. <laughs> <laughs> you need that much compute power, but you know, there's, uh, there's is that a good defense strategy? Maybe <laughs> there's <laughs> pretty much so. I endorse it. In those uh, SCADA devices, so maybe make use of them instead of the the CPU. But I mean, it's scary it's times though. Everything's held together by just a string. One little string. Uh, cool. So donor drive, Dan, is the next uh, thing that, that came up. Did you? Yeah, I saw that. And a little bit about that? Yeah, I, you know, I saw that they had tweeted out that they were being DDoSed. It, I think it turned out by the time I was 
all ragey about it. Um, the DDoSs were pretty much over and all that. But, you know, it, hospitals and donation places to me are, uh, are kind of two things that, um, unless you are a nation state, um, stay the fuck away from them. Like, there's two things that I think it's pretty easy to make a, a logical uh, decision to stay away from and hospitals where people's lives at risk and donation drives where people's lives are generally also at risk. Just stay away from them. Cut it out. Just fucking stop. I um, think a lot of people simple. have their, their moral codes, right? So like Black Hats will say, oh, I don't give a fuck if someone dies, I'm stealing money. Um, but are you really making money by attacking like what's what's the cost of a life to those kind of people you know i i think a lot of i i get what you're saying and and i you know i've heard a lot from uh the people that wear the blacker hats uh say well my morals are flexible that's why i'm successful and first of all chances are they're probably not actually all that successful but second of all they're they're probably lying about being that morally flexible in the first place too i think uh people deep down know right from wrong whether they want to suppress that emotion okay maybe they're able to suppress it more than others but uh i think it takes a true a truly messed up person to think it's okay to ransom an icu unit somewhere where uh you know you're you're in control of systems that are our life and death um i don't think there's a lot of uh lone wolves i don't think there's a lot of hacking crews that are are down for that right um but I, I, think I do think there's a lot of nation states though that uh are very easily uh way more corrupt and willing to do that kind of shit also, it's, it's right. worth noting that uh, it was on the Extra Life like charity donation day uh, that all this happened, which makes it a whole oh. extra level of fucked up. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, it's well, November first day tomorrow, tomorrow is Extra Life for Kids game day. <sighs> Raising so, funds while playing games for the kids. And the next day it was DDoS. DDoS interesting. City. I didn't. So I didn't hear that, and it I didn't click with me. I did see somebody recommend hey have they been collecting donations for hong kong which to me instantly i was like oh that that absolutely would make sense um and china is notorious for uh either bgp hijacking or, or doing traditional uh bandwidth floods so i've seen it happen i wouldn't doubt that they do that kind of thing but at the same time if it was after something that a lot of people on Twitch streams or a lot of people with social clout have been promoting, uh, that's also definitely possibly a skid thing. And so, who did it? Oh. With their spray and pray payloads, like like before, uh, like building botnets and that kind of thing, they're often like mass scanning huge cider blocks that they don't know what's on them anyway. And I, mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of like accidental uh, infection, and then they're just like, oh, I ransomed something, or like I did or something. But with this you know, specific um, case, it was pretty targeted. Um, yeah, yeah. It seemed like they reached out to them, and there was contact, right? Yeah, it was very, very low effort um, to do like bandwidth flooding. Like it doesn't, and a lot of people are like, oh, I have a botnet that does this much throughput or whatever. Like okay, go buy a couple of 10 gigabit links with actual, you know, the actual boxes and you've got more than like that whole botnet by 100. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like, Same, uh, I don't know if it's, I'm um, looking through the show notes, I don't see it, um, but a, a quick add-on to that would be, uh, uh, what is it, Emerald Onion? Or Onion Emerald? I forget the name, how it goes, but uh, they were also DDoSed uh recently with some some pretty high amount i think it was 100 gigs per ip address in a full 24 and that 
that's all that turns out to be a lot of bandwidth if you add it all up. Um, like and a, it's not, not tip. <laughs> sorry, that, that doesn't sound like a, a typical bot, like, that's not somebody's right. kids, like, <laughs> dealing router botnet. Yeah, it's they're they're load balancing the uh, the <laughs> yeah, they look, right, right, and and that's not common, right? That's not common with skids. That's not common with any DDoS I've actually been experienced with. I'm sure we could get uh, some of our our DDoS mitigation guys on to talk a little more about that specific one because it, it sounded really interesting. Sadly. Emerald has this policy of not doing any kind of forensics or tel telemetry. And so I asked them, hey, do you have PCAPs that the internet could look at? Because I guarantee there's there's people with access to flow data that could probably actually narrow down where this traffic's coming from. But they uh, sadly did not have uh, that kind of stuff. Notable though, I figured uh, I'd toss that in there. Two two notable DDoSs in the past week. Yeah, there was also an interesting uh, bit that I stumbled on. I was talking about how the uh, U.S. government was DDoSing darknet markets yeah. uh, in order to drive traffic to their their honeypots yeah. darknet markets, uh, which is pretty wild to read about. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It in so I had a little back and forth with Dark Fell, who's probably been the one, um, the one site that you could actually go to during all these DDoS attacks and find the newest link to get to the real sites. And um, I couldn't help but wonder out loud, you know, if you're if there were a lot of scamming links that were being passed around during that time. And it is a good opportunity for actual scammers to, to flood fake links and scam people. But at the same time, if you think about how the DEA and other drug or anti-drug organizations work, uh, seizing drug funds or, or seizing funds that are directed towards uh, drugs isn't, a thing that they care about that's fair game for them and uh building a case against users where you can control the wallet that they're sending money to and the wallet that's generated and all that it doesn't matter how much tumbling you do it doesn't matter what you do they have now a case from top to bottom that they can put in front of jury put in front of judge and say we we don't care how much obfuscation happened in the middle. We controlled the beginning and the end of this transaction. This person's guilty, and so it it's an interesting thought exercise to think maybe the uh, maybe the scams weren't just happenstance. Maybe the scams weren't actually scams. I mean, it's, you know, one thing to, to cause a disruption, but then to use that disruption to uh, funnel your traffic into the controlled endpoints um, just really layers that on. And uh, somebody who has, like, the ability and the, the, you know, want to do such a thing, they're going to do it. Pretty devious. Pretty devious. Oh, I'll and, see. Uh, yeah. I think, you know, if you are out there uh, in, in darknet land purchasing or, or whatever, um, you already have accepted a, a level of risk. Um, and, you know, again, don't be surprised. Um, like, oh, but everyone's doing it. Like, yeah, well, maybe everyone's getting wrecked. Yeah, yeah, that Never. or everyone else's government. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, uh, so the best method is assume that's true. Never sign for anything that you order, legal or not and uh, uh assume the worst and um you know, generally you be okay. Own, that's like the number one rule anyway oh yeah totally pgp yeah. everything like don't don't chance it it's always funny when you see a story of the feds raiding each other 
because they didn't know the other was running an operation. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Police, put down the weapon. Also, police. <laughs> Bill, is that you down in cubicle three, three away from me? Put down the uh, mouse. Or, uh... Drop your weapon. No, you drop your weapon. <laughs> is this like the Spider Man meme where Spider Man is pointing at Spider Man? Absolutely, absolutely is. <laughs> so, uh, on the note of uh, spiders and webs, spies, <laughs> let's uh, get on to this next one, which is uh, what's up, su- what's up, suing Israel's NSO. Lol, good luck um, for uh, breaching around four, uh, fourteen hundred users and surprise. Diplomats, political dissidents, uh, journalists, and senior government officials being the targets. Um, a lot of people. Hey, wouldn't it be cool if NSO got wrecked? Uh, yeah. Oh, did I say that out loud? Oh <laughs> shit! I thought my mic was off. I mean, yeah, you can try. <laughs> but they're in a different country. Um, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Do those laws apply here? Hmm. Uh, I don't know. I think they can make up their own rules. Yeah, I agree. Crazy. My favorite part is that NSO's like, no, nah, we're just a technology company. Yeah. yeah. Cool. We didn't do anything wrong. We're just a technology company. We don't do that. Works cool for story. Facebook. Cool story. Hey. <laughs> what do you guys think about the uh, the no click, um, the no interaction uh, details of this? specific one though i mean it required no interaction and i believe it said the victims had no indication whatsoever that the implant was successful i think that's worth a whole lot of money um and Uh (laughs) somebody paid somebody else a shitload for it um and uh they used it accordingly no surprise yeah what do you think it would take to get in the supply chain of that supply? I mean, <laughs> I don't want to speculate on that. Are, 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 we, yeah. are we painting targets on ourselves a little too much with this combo? Sorry? I don't know. It's, <laughs> it's just it's one of those insane places that, you know, I feel like you could, it's not one of those places you can even try to get to almost. Uh, oh, that's one of those things. If you if you had something worth selling, uh, and you knew of a way to sell it, um, and it's going to be vigorously, uh, like rig- whatever the word, I'm really tired. <laughs> it's good. going to be it's going to be checked. Your like the what you're selling is not going. They're not you know they're not going to buy some like uh, reverse shell uh, show notes from Thug Crowd. Um, <laughs> that like the matrix where a bunch of your god friends show up and they just give you cash and you hand them a fucking floppy drive yeah 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 it's, they, they okay. actually skateboard past and get into a limo as the, you know do the yeah. swap um, oh yeah there was that meme recently I kind of I kind of often think of like the startup days right where you could have some amazing innovation right and it could be a, it could be awesome but without marketing and sales driving that as a signal it's meaningful right it wouldn't result in anything so that where that translates for me and some of this is just wondering if there are um insanely tech technically talented individuals who don't have an in to sell right like who do you trust who do you you've got something so so uh, valuable like how do you and you're just some unknown do you just start knocking on doors and hope that you don't get in trouble i mean what, what reply, does that look like you reply to about three or four companies on twitter that uh openly are buying them i won't name them because uh that's that's definitely probably over the line my lawyer like, probably like, would not be happy with that do you <laughs> one of them blocking on twitter <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's more just a thought experiment as far as like where where, where do you start trusting right you got to start trusting somewhere you got to at least start a conversation enough to trust and so i always kind of like to just mm. dabble in that i think, I think uh, if you can if you can demonstrate that you're able to do a zero click uh successfully and repeatedly um the companies aren't 
gonna care exactly that much. They're definitely gonna like revet it through their experts. But I think there's some clever enough people out there that could um, do some interesting things to make it fingerprintable. And uh, yeah, I mean, everybody ha- like if like has their style of shellcode and and other things yeah. like that. Um, that you know you you can pick up on on certain programmers or whatever. But it, yeah, in in the ways of finding someone, like there are some known um there are some known trustworthy sources that are trustworthy based on where you live um who you know and other things like that so if you live in the united states and you're a u.s citizen and you're not a felon um you're more you know there's certain characteristics about you that are probably more likely to to be in your favor with a certain company as opposed to selling it to um into the southeast asian market for example um, yeah. or, or being <laughs> from from that ir yeah maybe you have to write it or like in a labor camp i don't know but speculation yeah um, but Agreed. yeah it, it, it's if, if you're in the in, in the if you're in the game of writing zero clicks for whatsapp um you've made a few friends already i i think and you're well they've scared. treated they've also treated you very well financially and and otherwise so you may not want to. Um, you, that may that may be a good example of where flexible morals are kind of uh, a, in the game because you don't actually know for sure where your work is being deployed. Yeah, they may that's... say it's for the greater good, and you you may be able to believe that after you get paid two million dollars, and uh, and never think of it again. Or you yeah. might not care. I mean, or you might not you know, care, some yeah. people are just in it to get paid. And it's, if, you know, whoever's paying it, as long as it's legal and you're not going to go to prison for it, then sure, fine. Um, you know, I, I doubt that, you know, any of these organizations are saying, uh, yeah, you're, you know, the, the shell code that you're writing is. Uh, um, We're going to use it on dissidents. Yeah, they're not going to tell you that. Right? It's, uh, you know, it's it's always uh, it's always uh, you know anti-terrorism, right? Yep. If you're gonna deal with an arms dealer, uh, like a cyber arms dealer, like you should realize that you're selling cyber weapons. Well, Everybody yeah, and and like one them. other cautionary thing I'd add to that is uh, if you're dealing with a cyber arms dealer, you, that might not be the only kind of arms that you're dealing with. Yeah, who knows? That's all speculation. <laughs> um, be careful. So moving on. This one is cool as fuck. And uh, MG was looking at this, and I'm surprised. Dan, you mentioned you were surprised. Everybody's surprised MG didn't do it already, lol. Um, <laughs> so uh, using lasers to sonically control um, microphone smart devices, series, Google Homes, whatever you want to call them. Um, yeah, from a distance. So firing a, a laser directly uh, at a device and having it interpreted as audio, which is cool. Super interesting stuff. Yeah, I, I haven't some been able real to real galaxy brain shit. I haven't been able to read the the text on it. Um, so if uh, if one of you has like a wrap up of of what how it works, um, is it is it basically just the exact opposite of those lasers we've all heard of that can pick up sound from windows and other things? Or how does it actually work? Uh, I guess it's interchangeable. Well, I mean, so those are based on the reflection of the laser, right? Mm-hmm. Um, whereas this is just sending the waveform, which they show on oscilloscope um, for a very bait. Like, I mean, I'm not, I'm not a physicist. I'm not going to pretend I'm a, I'm a, I look at oscilloscopes and go like, Oh yeah, that's, that's a digital, that's a, that's a square. Like that. One. <laughs> um, so yeah, like there, there's a little bit of a write up on it, but I think like the actual, how this works exactly is you're going to have to read quite a bit um, and understand. Yeah. A bit more. I've looked at it a decent amount. I'm going to guess it's using harmonics uh, at a certain point because laser Laser's pretty high up there on uh, on the spectrum. Like, if you're not 
familiar with what I'm talking about, take a look at spectrum and how it works. Sound is relatively low and light is higher and lasers and ultrasound and all that stuff gets higher and higher and higher up the stream of spectrum. And it appears like they're using lasers to activate voice commands. Um, I don't know if they're, I'm assuming they're using some kind of harmonic mixed with uh, a carrier signal. Yeah, because it's not going to be audible, the laser. Might want to give it another minute, though, because ads started rerolling because it restreamed. There we go. I'm past the ads. Yeah, I I guess I'll I'll just kind of repeat what I was saying. We can move on. Uh, It looks like it's exploiting things called MEMS microphones, microelectromechanical systems, microphones. However, they're working. Um, That's that seems to be the the specific type of microphone that is vulnerable. So it's not like it's not like they can shine a microphone to or they can shine a laser to any microphone. It's it's specific types. Yeah, government backdoor microphones. Yes, yes. Although no, I, honestly, about, I like, would wood microphone. Yeah. What was that, Pike? I'm just saying, just like think of how a microphone's made and how can you have something that vibrates or or actually get your vibrations be affected by light. Yeah, I I mean it. I know it definitely has something to do with the clocks. That's all I know. Um, yeah, the the clocks that are used to. Uh, uh, run the drive of the audio input. So, right. Yeah. Is, I, I, again, I, I don't, I can't dive into the extreme technical of it plainly because I, I just don't know how it fully works yet. But I do know it's this particular attack seems to be based on uh, certain types of microphones. And uh, that's not to say there is not some other stuff out there that can work on every microphone because I'm sure there is. But uh, there's also those uh, hat things like pe- people made, they're on like 3D printed slats where you put a it's like a cone, like the cone of silence that goes over uh, Google Homes and stuff. And then there's <laughs> a separate microphone with a different command word and then it uses like uh, some sort of like reverb to uh, basically feed cool. the noise to the device. Yeah. yeah, it also reminds me of there's some research done by some uh, Chinese researchers about like kind of the same thing, but they're using um, basically which columns um, like the motion detectors on the like Oculus, right? Like the tilt sensors, mm. and uh, yeah, also attacking those with other similar methods. Of... Like with lasers and focused beams and stuff. Yeah, it's either lasers or maybe it was sound. Oh, uh, I don't remember. But yeah, I just remembered that it it just reminded me um, that yeah they were attacking those and like these like right like skateboards with you know these tilt sensors like segways <laughs> oh, that kind of that's thing. So right? funny. But it's like being able to it's like the same sort of weird unexpected uh, yeah you know being able to interfere. That's so mean, though. Imagine yeah. just just rocking somebody's skateboard as if they uh, leaned fully left and yeah. they're just going straight. <laughs> just getting, getting rocked. Yeah. Yup. Catch you later, ankle. Um, <laughs> felt the pain. It's like Peter Griffin. I'm like, ah, ah, ah. <laughs> <laughs> like, so onto the last, last story, yeah. Last story. Look, I just want to throw this one in because uh, I want to make a point. We got actually cited in this. So we've been citing uh, Bleeping Computer for some time. They usually uh, have some articles we like. And they cited one of our tweets about uh, Discord. Um, for anyone who doesn't know, there's a whole bunch of stuff that we found while we were on Discord uh, when we had a ch- our chat pl- platform there. Um, that I mean... 
like it's it's a lot of stuff so i'm not gonna even start going over everything from like crashing rent like you know unexpected um like uh exceptions being thrown for like uh image files and different file formats uh, emoji overflow and emoji they fixed overflow. it all though obviously right uh no um <laughs> <laughs> but uh, in this case, uh, some of the things are like uh, being used to host uh, C2s, like Dir. Um, for some reason, Skids decide that uh, Discord is a good place to host a C2. Um, some infrastructure that they don't control. Um, uploading uh, samples in D, uh, not samples, uploading their uh, files in a DM and then using the CDN link, which is unauthenticated, to then deliver their stuff. Um, and then just modify straight modifying the client um, and, and bypassing clients side protections. Um, like there's a lot of a lot of different stuff that happened, but uh, the the main reason I wanted to throw this in here is that um, after we spend our time on Discord, we left Discord. So if everyone can stop asking what the Discord link is, and if they can have one, <laughs> that'd be fantastic. There isn't one. So wink. <laughs> It's just extra secret now. Who said yeah. wait? <laughs> wink. We don't have Discord, Wink. Uh, wait, if, what? Uh, We're not in Discord? <laughs> we do have uh, a separate chat, though, which we our challenge is now closed um, for anyone who was doing that. Um, if you didn't see the solution, it was pretty cool. It was a subtitle file um, uploaded to a YouTube video. Um, which had a base 64 encoded file out of uh, the time frame of the video. So you had to look at the subtitle file itself, um, or you had to notice subtitles were on, have a look at uh, the subtitle file itself, extract the base 64, a couple more steps that were not too mm. involved, um, and, and that value entry. So the difficulty was quite low, but it was a different kind of difficulty where people had to use their internet spidey senses. Um, and yeah. yeah I like that. I th it'd be interesting if people started uh, maybe screen capping their, their adventure on solving some of these whenever we do them. Um, not, not so that they can stream them live or anything like that, but after the, after the challenge is over, It'd be interesting to see how some of some people have been approaching it, whether you're successful or not in the end. Um, that might be cool stuff uh, to, yeah. to throw up on the internet afterwards. Yeah, there was someone who solved one of the challenges uh, in Excel. Wow. It's just yeah. mind blowing. Yeah, that was good. That was a uh, shout out, Harmony. That was that was lit. Um, and that just goes to show that you don't need to be uh, a master programmer to do it. Um, was done with excel macros and that was pretty well actually excel formulas which was pretty cool um so on that let's uh have a break for five well, let's say 10 minutes so we'll be back at um go pee for 10 minutes yeah just uh all 10 minutes we'll do a whole uh, yeah <laughs> stop um and very very slow yeah, we will return. <laughs> 